All right, everybody. Welcome to Learning the Tropes. I'm Erin. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance novel veteran. And I'm the Virgin. And we are here to talk Bridgerton. <laughs> yes. We're con- yes, we're continuing on with our Bridgerton recaps. I'm not sure when this is going out, if it's in place of a regular Wednesday episode or not. So thanks for joining us. So this episode, we are talking about episode five of season two, An Unthinkable Fate, and then episode six of season two, The Choice. Yes. So we're right in it. Let's start with episode five, An Unthinkable Fate. What are your overall thoughts? You want to kick us off? Um, I mean, this episode, I'm trying to remember because they do tend to blend together. Yeah. The Since this is kind of the middle of the run, there, I don't. There are some big things that happen, but it feels like the beginning of this episode is kind of like treading water in a way, and reiterating mm-hmm. a lot of the stuff that we've already established. Uh, I did love that first scene, or near the beginning of this episode, where their where their hands almost brush against each other's while they walk uh, down the hallway. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, uh, we had a little bit of the queen in this episode, which I was like, uh, with this queen. But I know, she it start, yeah, it started with the queen. Yeah, walking around, judging things, uh, you know, sour-faced. We don't get much of her until the next episode. Yeah, which is good. Basically, she just decides to be the one to throw the wedding because Edwina is her diamond. Again, mm-hmm. barf at the diamond of it all and at the queen of it all. And why is she so involved and why does she give a fuck? Yeah. And she's a literal queen. So like, doesn't she have like state affairs to worry about? Her husband is crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, oh, and so we also have, what else is going on in this episode? So the other, the, the B plot is that Benedict is finally in art school and he meets a live, his like live drawing model who is also an art student. Mm-hmm. I love Benedict. I don't know. There's something about him that I'm always am happy for his, his pursuits. And I think the thing that is interesting about the Bridgerton books, and it seems to be also reflected in the series, uh, particularly when it comes to the Bridgerton boys other than Anthony, is it's funny that the big conflict for Colin and Bridgerton, sorry, for Colin and Benedict is basically like, what happens when you grow up pretty happy and you are very wealthy and you can do anything and nothing is expected of you? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm. That is sort of their cross to bear. And I do find it interesting because I think Benedict going kind of full throttle into art, and I guess we assume he's fairly okay at it. And then Colin generally just not knowing what to do other than to kind of just like travel and try to make that his personality. Yeah. there There's something there that is, you know, interesting, a point of view at least. I may be butchering this, but uh, did you ever hear that thing about how people in really low income circumstances and people in really high income brackets have kind of the same amount of issues when it comes to like substance abuse and things like that, just because there's 
that level of if you're at the lowest level of the economy, you feel like there's no way, there's no reason to do anything. And then if you're at the top, everything's taken care of for you. So there's Mm -hmm. also no reason to do anything. Yeah, I've never heard of that as like a study or anything, but like it does make sense. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, not that you would want to, obviously money, it, it, the preferable thing would be to have money just because of the society uh, we live in, obviously. So there is an advantage to it, but mm-hmm. there still is pitfalls that come with it. Right. Yeah. I don't think we're going to be like crying over them. You know, I just think it's an interesting thing to explore, especially, you know, I think the, you know, the other show that I've been watching, The Gilded Age, is kind of falls apart because it's basically just like, aren't rich people interesting inherently because they are wealthy? Mm-hmm. That's, they aren't. And I do think it's interesting that like Bridgerton, while the economy of Bridgerton is impossible to decipher, I think yes. it is interesting to view, you know, if you do have everything, how do you find purpose in that way? You know? Yeah. It's an interesting yeah. point of view. So that is, I think that's yeah. Sorry, it's funny just because all of like there is uh, Lady Featherington is having money issues, but it doesn't really show in how she dresses and where they live and what where the events that she's able to go to. It's funny how a lot of these people can be in such dire financial straits, and they still are able to live at the top of the society as ladder. You know. But I bet that there are a lot of people or more people in Featherington's situation than they'd allow because, like, they are teetering on the end of financial ruin in incredible debts in order to buy, you know, they talk about in the show, like, in order to buy these dresses and she has, like, paste jewelry and all these things that it's, like, I think that's pretty common. I think that's pretty common now. I think there are a lot of people who seem to be living very lavish lifestyles but have no savings or mm-hmm. one bill uh, at the wrong, like one thing at the wrong time. And it's a house of cards. I I think that is fairly popular. I mean, I'm all, like the Featheringtons are a total departure from the book and I'm loving it. I'm loving her. I'm loving sort of the predicament that she's getting into, how deeper and deeper she's um, dragging herself down. The relationship between, her and Lord Featherington, I think is fantastic as well. Like I'm really enjoying it. And it is interesting to just see that other side of the ton or sort of this class of people, because it's strange because like a lot of their things are entitled because he's a Lord. So it's not like they can sell a house or something like that, but they just would basically have this house and have these lands and just be not be able to do anything with it. Like, they obviously wouldn't end up like in the poor house, but things can get pretty bad. Eloise goes back to hang out with that guy, Theo. She goes to like an event, like a socialist event, I think, or something, just people talking about the working class. She goes in an insanely like beautiful dress <laughs> made of like satin with jewels and stuff. And I'm like, Eloise, like you're a mark. But she doesn't get robbed. So, you know. And I think it's interesting because then she doesn't want to tell Penelope at first what is happening with Theo with this like kind of growing relationship that she's having with somebody. And so they end up kind of keeping these big secrets from each other in a way that I found really interesting for the relationship. Yeah, I'm I'm happy that she is finding somebody that shares her passions. Yeah. 
And it's interesting, too, because there was this article with Chris Van Dusen, who is the showrunner for seasons one and two. And something that he talked about was keeping the original couples from the books. Because I know that there was a lot of talk about, like, Benedict being queer or Eloise being queer or something like that. And he basically said that they're going to, like, nobody's partner is going to be changed. Okay. Yeah. Which is interesting and why I like, like, Eloise having a little boyfriend now or Benedict having this affair with this this, uh, model because you don't see that normally in romance novels. You don't see, like, everything leading up to somebody when they find their person. Yes. And I think that early relationships like that do really inform somebody. They inform the person that you end up becoming. And so there is – I do find it really interesting to watch – them go through a relationship that isn't kind of the forever relationship and then find the forever relationship and how that's different. I think that's really cool. That's what's so interesting about relationships earlier in life is that you have to take them seriously because Mm -hmm. if you don't take a relationship seriously, then it's obviously going to fail. But there is a level of understanding if it does fail that this is hopefully if you're, you know, I don't want to say doing it right, but progressing in your abilities to communicate, to to be loving, to do these kind of things, you can eventually get the skills to, when you find the person you want to be with, make that succeed. And I think that's a hard thing intellectually for people to do, especially when they're younger and they're emotionally driven or they're also very carnally driven it can be difficult. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, watching these other relationships happen is important. And I'm happy mm-hmm. that Eloise is going to have somebody before Philip Crane. And it, yes. I mean, Philip Crane is a character. So I'm like, then that has to be it. Also, spoilers, I guess, <laughs> if you haven't read the books yet. So the so then obviously the A story in the episode is Kate and Anthony. So we first uh, see them back together again after Anthony has asked Edwina to marry him at the end of the last episode. Um, he comes by to get a ring sized and they're kind of forced to be in the same space together with the jeweler who's yeah. funny, who just wants cake, relatable. And it's like, oh, try that ring on to make sure it'll fit Edwina. I know. It's great. Listen, I knew that was going to happen. The second that it was established that he was there to size the ring, I knew Kate was going to be wearing that ring and it happened and I loved it. (laughs) It's the best. I mean, that's the tropey stuff we like. It was so good. And then, oh, Danbury kind of sees basically what is happening because Danbury is kind of all seeing, all knowing. Mm-hmm. See, and this is why, if we didn't know who Lady Whistledown was, it would be in, it it would be interesting to have you think that it could be Danbury. Yes, because in the books you think it's Danbury for a while. You think it could be Eloise. You know, when it is revealed who it is, it's a little shocking. And so it's like how observant Danbury is. You know. Anyway. Yeah, it makes the most sense for Danbury to be Lady Whistledown. Mm -hmm. But it's a great red herring for who it actually ends up being. Yeah. So then Danbury talks to Kate and basically says, like, 
back the fuck off. You're going to ruin everything. You kind of have to give it up. And being a spinster isn't so bad anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which I like that finally somebody has said something to Kate because Kate must be so isolated at this stage. Oh, yeah. You know, and we've also talked our, you know, talked about how this differentiates from the book, which, I, like I said, I think this storyline, the the changes they've made to the book are great mm-hmm. and make sense. Um, and the end of the series, I mean, sorry, the end of the episode is a dinner with Kate's stepmother's parents, the Sheffields, which is an interesting touch because in the book, she's Kate Sheffield, not Kate Sharma. And uh, sort of all of Kate's plans are thrown onto the table. Mm-hmm. And it's discovered that Kate was, you know, set this wedding up for a reason that mm-hmm. uh, he didn't know about. Right. So basically her step-grandparents said that they would only give Edwina any dowry or any inheritance if she married a peer, an English Mm -hmm. peer. And so that it seems like kind of everything was orchestrated. You know, Violet Bridgerton seems to be like very upset about this. And I'm like, but you get the reason why people want to marry Anthony is because he's a peer. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's so weird to be like, can you believe that she went after him because he was a Viscount? It's like, well, yeah, was that what everybody was doing? And isn't you that know? part of the draw? Like, isn't that uh, something to use as a draw? Like, I mean, she's the jewel, and he mm-hmm. used the fact that he was a Viscount to get the jewel. Exactly. I found that to be confusing. And Anthony also, like, doesn't seem that upset about it. Like, he's kind of fine with it. I think the part that he... Is It's interesting because they go back and forth between, like, Edwina being mad at Kate for kind of pushing the match, but them also being mad at Kate for sort of standing in the way of the match at the same time uh, in kind of a way that's true. And so I – it's – it's interesting. I mean, it also makes me, like, really lose respect for Mary, for Edwina and Kate's mother, that she Uh kind of never stands up to her parents. Yeah. We have to say that the grandfather, Sheffield, is Giles from Buffy, which is exciting. He, yes, and he's also the asshole ex-husband of the owner of the soccer team on Ted Lasso. Yes, so, you know, a big cameo. Robert Head, is that his name? Rupert Head? I think Rupert. I, it's Rupert, Rupert Head, yeah. Maybe, Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then they meet uh, Kate and Anthony and they do their thing where they almost kiss and they get real close and they're sniffing around each other. And, but don't kiss. Yeah. But I think in at the end of this episode, at the end of episode five, she like Kate is basically saying, like, you won't have to worry about me because I'll leave. And then like kind of our feelings will fade for each other. And. Kate says you have to marry my sister because her happiness means everything to me and you and what she wants is you and you are the thing to make her happy so you have to do it. And then Anthony kind of is like okay because you want me to. My issue with the the show is that like it is so drawn out that yeah. like these two episodes could have been compacted into one episode. Yes. I, I mean feel. this 
This episode six was very long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We could have cut a solid 15 minutes from this episode. Absolutely. The song at the end of episode five is an instrumental version of You Ought to Know. Which is yeah. Good. Well, see, okay, so that's the scene where they're on the 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 horses uh-huh. and they meet up and they have the conversation. Yeah. Uh, again, this is something that I don't like. Uh, I think it's cheesy. Oh, the instrumental versions songs. of pop songs? Yes. I think it's oh, totally corny it. and cheesy <laughs> and it's distracting because half the time I'm trying to figure out what the famous song is because the wedding song, I yes. was the whole time I was trying to figure out what the fuck this song was. Do you, do you know what the wedding song was? A Sign of the Times by Harry Styles. Oh, is that what it was? That's why I don't know it because that's too, I don't, I don't listen to Harry Styles music. It's your own fault. Your loss. It's great. So then we move on to episode six. Yeah, The Choice. Again, it opens with the queen, which is a bad mm. sign. Yes. Her giving a shit about this wedding, uh, still baffling, trying to make sure everything is perfect, like yelling at all of her guards and stuff to make the wedding perfect. And then it's the wedding. Preparations for the wedding, Anthony getting shit-faced the night before. Yeah. Edwina sees that he loves Kate, or at least something's going on there. I think she does mm-hmm. realize this. And she has a, has a confrontation with Kate saying, you gave me the life that you wanted, and it's not what I, it doesn't matter what I want. Mm-hmm. And then we have the king coming in in his his dressing gown or his sleeping gown and doing his thing if we're getting some sort of if we're supposed to have sympathy for her because her husband is senile uh, it's not working yeah no i agree and it, it also just shows in stark contrast of like what is this woman's game because she's very obsessed with the diamond she's very obsessed with the ton she's very obsessed with finding out who Lady Whistledown is with throwing this wedding at the palace. And it's like, your husband needs help. You have children. You, your, your son, who is a literal child right now, is ruling the country. Mm-hmm. Like, you are ruling a country. <laughs> There's, like, diplomacy. Uh, there is a war going on. You're currently at war, I believe, with the United States, if not other places. You know what I mean? And it's just so yeah. weird to me that this is the focus. And I get this is like fantasy land. This isn't real. Like, this isn't an accurate version of history, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and not that I need it to be, but it's just so bizarre. And there's something about having a real-life historical figure in the mix that then – takes you out of the realm of fantasy. And I think, like, the show is so much less for having the queen in it. Mm-hmm. And I think, were she gone? And, like, listen, I don't want people to think that I don't, like, like the actress who plays the queen. She's doing a great job. Like, there's no – I don't have an issue with her. She looks fantastic. It's not about that. But it's just, like, from a storytelling point of view, I think it's, like, just such a massive, continuous misstep. Yeah, I mean, it's like I don't feel either way about her because she's a character I don't like. So mm-hmm. I don't think she's a bad actress, but I'm not, you know. I, I, yeah, I mean, it's not personal. It's just I don't think she's given anything to really work with. Yeah, so the wedding. I mean, I love that it's like Kate's bracelet that her mother gave her. She doesn't have much of her birth mother. She doesn't have much from her mother. 
And mm-hmm. then that it like breaks and then falls right on top of Edwina's train of her dress. It's all like so perfect. Mm-hmm. And when she and Anthony touch and then sort of that's the first time Edwina recognizes that they're in love. Yeah. Um, and I think also her being the first one to recognize that they're like mutually into each other mm-hmm. and not just kind of, you know, Danbury thinking Kate has a crush or something like that is powerful. And Kate being, I mean, sorry, and Edwina being the one to call off the wedding, just kind of like hightail it out of there, I think is the other thing that is good and interesting from a story point of view. Like she's driving it and she's making this decision, somebody who's kind of been robbed of any uh, autonomy or ability to make her own decisions because so much has been kept from her. Yeah. And then Anthony has to say to her, hey, listen, this still needs to happen because it's the (laughs) best case for both of us. Super romantic, you know. Yeah. He does have a, like, he has a conversation with his mom and he has a conversation with Daphne about them being like, you're not really into this girl. Like, what's the point? And him kind of harping on like, no, it's my duty and I have to get married and I have to be the one to do this. And I do hope it gets explored more, sort of like his sense of duty and kind of where it's coming from. I know we had some flashbacks before with his father, but I think there needs to be more of an explanation. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, did you notice the bishop in the wedding? He looked exactly like the from the Princess Bride to the point where I was like, they did that on purpose. Well, I think that's just a common look for them back in the day, wasn't it? But it's not even just that, like, the outfit, which is like, yeah, the outfit's the outfit. But it's just like he was short and he had the same kind mm-hmm. of vibe to him, the same, like, long gray hair. I wouldn't put it past this crew to be like, let's just pay homage to that, even though the tone is completely different than uh, The Princess Bride is. Something that I know these people aren't spending a lot of time on is tone. (laughs) They're not worried about tone. Um, I mean, I mm -hmm. guess, you know, the things that happen in the books that, like, when Anthony falls into the water with that other dude, it's like, that kind of stuff happens in in romance novels all the time. So it's just something different seeing it and reading it. Mm-hmm. You know? It just this 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 show just feels really pratfally sometimes. But then it's just not and I've said this before, it's just like not funny enough yeah. to 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 make it play. I don't know. I mean, listen. It's it, Bridgerton's not my thing. <laughs> Well, the other thing is, so Penelope and Eloise talk about Theo. Penelope doesn't want Eloise to do have anything to do with Theo because it's too close to comfort for comfort for her for the whole whistle down thing. Eloise just takes her as being overly like protective. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, Penelope accidentally forces Eloise to go and confess her feelings for Theo. <laughs> Yeah. Which is great. And was a and he very... gives her a bunch of books. I know. I mean, that's a very romantic scene. Oh, anytime books are shared amongst people, it is romantic. Yeah. Because she's like, you know, I think of you. Do you think of me? And he hands her these books. He's like, I thought you would like all these books, which is like, swoon. That's amazing. Yes. That's so Absolutely. good. So uh, I'm looking forward to that developing. 
Yeah. I mean, the thing is, too, it's like, you know, so sort of at the end of the episode, Edwina reaches out to both Anthony and Kate, tells them both at the same time, like, I'm not going to get married because you guys are kind of picturing me just as a pawn. I don't like it. I'm out. I'm good. You two fuckers figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's when they're kind of at the altar and they talk about, uh, you know, Kate talks about like when she leaves, it's kind of over. And that's when they end up making out for the first time. And it is very hot and very good. Yeah. And what I was thinking at that point, I was like, oh, we're kind of good. I don't understand what we have to that. Like, I don't know that we have two hours left of story. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. it's like, we, obviously, we need to mend things with Edwina, have a wedding, have them get together. I, yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm interested to see what these last two episodes are about, because I don't yeah. know what it could be. It may be pushing other stories forward for the next mm-hmm. season, but at this point, it's like, it's kind of a hindrance that they know they're getting more seasons Mm -hmm. in the case of this show because then they can really draw it out and have all these other storylines going on that are going to lead to something next season. And instead of just, let's really make this central romance sing. And I think they have, I mean, when it focuses on them, the Anthony and Kate and Edwina, Mm-hmm. It it's really good and fun and sexy, but I mean, I'm looking forward to Kate and Anthony banging it out because mm-hmm. that's going to be cool. <laughs> and they've built it up where, oh, this is going to be awesome when they actually consummate. But I doubt it's going to happen next episode. It's probably going to happen the last episode. So what is this next episode going to be? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I did like, you know, because we we talk all the time about the problem with romance or not the problem, but the the challenge with romance adaptations is like the internal made external. And -hmm. something that I thought that they did a really good job of during the wedding was, you know, he was seeing Edwina and then he sort of pictured if the bride was Kate and the room was empty. And it was a Great way, I think, visually to show, like, oh, if none of these people mattered, this is who I would choose. Mm-hmm. Like, if I was alone in, in this choice. And I just thought that was a good way to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm still, I'm like, I'm really, I'm enjoying the season much more than season one. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think they're really getting a good groove with a lot of things. And I think a, a, there's, I think, there's a more that works than doesn't, you know? Yeah. And I think sometimes we can sound maybe overly critical, but I think it's like, it's easier to talk about the things you don't like than the things you do. Uh, there was mm-hmm. a lot that I liked, you know? Yeah. It's just for me, a long time to learn, right? Like you're in season two and there's been, eight episodes of season one and five episodes or six episodes of season two. And it feels like there's, there's still learning how to make this show. Yeah. And that's just too much. It's just too much. I mean, I am interested to see next season with a new showrunner, with a female showrunner. 
I wonder w- how things will change there, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm going to keep watching. I am very interested how they're going to take on if next season is Benedict season. Yeah. Which I have heard rumors that it'll be Colin and Penelope instead. Like they might switch the order up. Ooh, she's, she's so young still. It feels like. I know, but they're starting to give her kind of a makeover. Like she's looking much less harsh than she did before Mm -hmm. with those like curls and stuff. So yeah, it could happen. But yeah, because Bened- Benedict season is like tough. Because the thing that is weird about Bridgerton is like, there's no racism, which is great. Racism fucking sucks. I'm happy we are living in a post-racial society. But there is still colonialism. Mm-hmm. You and mean in Bridgerton, tough. they're 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 post-racial? Yes. Okay. Because we don't live in a post-racial racial society. No. Very much not. Of course yeah, not. Yeah. No, I'm saying like Bridgerton, you know what I mean? Like, yes, there, there is no, there's no racism. There's no stratification based on race, any of that, which is wonderful and great. And I love it, but it's just that it's like, okay, but the, but England has still colonized India. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, can't you can't know think about why- it too much. It's all a fantasy. Yeah, exactly. Well, you know why Penelope's might be next? Because the actress is pretty much the only person out of this whole cast that had a, a, a pretty high profile career beforehand. Uh huh. Like, you know, she was in Dairy Girls and, and things like that. So it might be one of those things where it's like, she needs to we need to make sure that we tell her story before she finds something else she wants to do i hope they well they've already said that um simone ashley and jonathan bailey are going to be in the next season okay which thank god we got to get these people locked down Mm -hmm. because we want to continue to see them around for sure yeah um and i mean jonathan bailey was in uh crashing phoebe waller bridges like first show we can't forget that. Yeah. I mean, I just think Derek Girls, out of every, all of those, I mean, that's, she's the most recognizable, at least for me. Oh, yeah. But I think Derry Girls was her first big thing. She was also in Harlots, which is a great show. Okay. But yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Who knows? I think um, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what they're doing next, though. Yeah. So we'll we're gonna be watching the next last two episodes <laughs> at some point and doing a, an episode on those. So this episode will be available on Patreon first, and this is gonna be on Patreon when we post on the main feed our episode three and four review episode. So patrons can listen to. So it's like I'm trying to figure out the timeline in my head and it's not that difficult. So if you're listening to this right now on our main feed and you want to hear what we have to think about the last two episodes in the series, you can come join us on Patreon. Yes. That episode is live now. So you can finish out the whole series. Um, If you are currently listening to this on Patreon, thanks so much, guys, for being a patron. Yes. Wow. You just nailed it. (laughs) 
Sometimes um, I like to just like like watch you twist like a leaf in the wind just to see what happens. If yes. You get there. I didn't get there. No, no. And I do, you know, like I said before, have an overpriced yoga class that I need to go to. Yes, it's so we need to wrap mostly it Mostly just stretching. Listen, anything, so much. anything that gets you moving. Exactly. I have to bring my own mat. I get to go just have some lady tell me the right way to lay down and then spray <laughs> lavender over me. Worth it, actually. Worth every penny. <laughs> um, all right. Well, then, I guess that's all that we have to say. I would say if you want to find us, just Google us. You'll find everything you need to know. <laughs> We're not pretty much learning the tropes everywhere. Yeah. yeah, yeah, not us personally, but the podcast. Exactly. Um, all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for listening and happy watching. Happy watching. <laughs>